I'm delighted to welcome today Mark Carolyn, who is a coach. Welcome, Mark. Thanks, Elaine. Great to be here. I just love the Irish accent. You could just sit and talk nonsense to me and I would just dream away. Uh, I love <laughs> the Irish accent, so we're especially delighted to have you on the podcast today. Thank you. So, That's great. I'll do my best not to sit and talk nonsense with you today. <laughs> Okay, so Mark, you are a coach. Now, I've interviewed so many coaches. Uh, I've met so many coaches. What's different about you with your coaching? Why would somebody come to you for coaching and what do you coach people in? That's a great question. What's different about me with my coaching? I'm a huge believer, Elaine, in you can't do this work if you haven't done this work. So you have to do this work on yourself in order to be able to do this work with other people, because you can't be confronted with challenges that they have, with issues that they're going through, that you've got yourself and you don't know what's going on. And hence you end up jumping into the water with them and not being able to help them. So for me, I feel I've been on a journey for some, probably I could argue five years, 10 years, 30 years um, on this planet to try and come to the space that I'm in now where I do my coaching from. And for me, the, kind of comes back to a philosophy on coaching being about coming home to yourself. And I feel that's the critical part that causes us all our problems in our lives today is that we're not sure who we are. We're not sure where we are. We're not really being ourselves or living to ourselves. And hence, we're out there looking for answers. Very well put. Um, and that's actually why I, I disassociated myself from the coaching field many years ago. I'm going back probably... 30, 40 years now when coaches started to become a thing, um, certainly in the UK where I was living at the time, um, because there were so many coaches popping up who were like knee high to a grasshopper, um, you know, young people and suddenly telling everybody how to run a business. They were a business coach because they'd done a one day course or something, you know, or somebody was a, a life coach, you know, and they were like 16 or so, you know, I'm, obviously I'm exaggerating here. <laughs> But I think, you know, how dare they? You know, what right have they got? Where where have they been? What have they done in order that they can... It's like you read a book on swimming. That doesn't mean you can swim. You know, jump in the water. So that's kind of what you're saying, isn't it? Jump in mm -hmm. the water, live live the, through the things because then you can identify and you have empathy, compassion, whatever it is for the, for the people that you're helping. So mm. what did you do then before you woke up to the this realization what were you what were you doing um in uh in like the real world as it were because coaching is a kind of a, a strange twilight zone i find <laughs> <laughs> yeah there's yeah and so in in the real world where i used to be uh i spent over 20 years elaine in the corporate world i was working in the financial services um and i could i could say that I knew after about a week I needed to get out of the financial services, wow. but like what happens in life, I got caught up with it. I enjoyed getting paid. I was young. Next thing I was getting married. Then I had small children and I had a mortgage and suddenly time is just passing you by and passing you by. And you're, you know, you know, you're unhappy, you know, you're uneasy, you know, things aren't right, but you're not really ready to, you're not brave enough to actually make the changes you know you want to make. Um, and I, I was sitting there about two years ago, over two years ago, and I was sitting one night, and it was 11 o'clock at night, and I was still working. And I just had this epiphany, Elaine. 
it dawned to me that if I did not change what I was doing, then this was my future forever. And I knew this was not going to, like, I was already very unhappy. I was working crazy hours. It just wasn't good for me. It wasn't good for my family life. And um, I knew this, I had to change. I had to change it. And then about two months later, it was changed for me in many ways. I was sitting at home as we all were working from home. And I got a call. I got an invite to a meeting with my boss. I thought, this is a little bit strange. He never invites me to a meeting. And I was making a cup of tea. And I actually said to myself, I'm going to be told that my job's been made redundant. And I dialed back into the call and he introduced himself. Then he introduced the representative from the HR department. It was, oh my God, I'm right. And they told me that, look, Mark, your role's been made redundant. But, you know, I was working for a very large bank. But look, we've loads of other opportunities, loads of other roles. You'll be put into this program and you'll go, we'll find you another role. And I said to myself, right, this is it. This is your chance here, Mark. Oh, wonderful. I mean, that's, that's super, super. Mm. And it was just, if I didn't take it, now I wasn't there a very long time to get much of a redundancy package, but I was I had only changed only two years ago. Mm-hmm. I changed because it was close to where I was living. But I just, I just said, here's the catalyst right now. And I had already done some coaching qualifications. I'd been coaching in <clears throat> the corporate world for 20 plus years. I've been, always been managing large teams of people. I was working as a senior manager over four teams at the time. I said, I have to do this. This is my chance. I have to jump into this. And I just... Just got onto that diving board and dived off and went, here we go. Brilliant. Absolutely brilliant. So when you when you were managing all the you know, the teams and, and um kind of responsible for, for, for people, what kind of coaching were you were you providing for them? What sort of things you know, direction were you giving to them? It actually varied depending on the person, Elaine. Sometimes we would be working through specific work challenges development challenges how do i get better at this i would always like to ask people you know what do you think what do you think you're doing right what do you think you should be doing better you know getting out of their way to try and let them see what was going on for themselves sometimes obviously you have to put your mentoring hat and your leadership hat and your management hat you know you can't just be a coach in a leadership role in the financial world you have to take a lot of different hats but sometimes and this is what rings true that I see a lot of people these days. And certainly when I go in and work with companies, I see this with companies. For people, a lot of personal stuff is affecting what's going on in their work environment. A lot of things that, of course, naturally, it has such an impact on their mental health, such an impact on where they are in life. that They just needed to kind of have a sounding board for this and get a little bit of guidance on what can go on in those spaces. And I found with when you're doing that, you get trust from people. They... You know, they know that you've got their back. I would have people ringing in and saying, listen, I'm just problems. I've got problems going on here today. I just, I need, I need to take some time. I was like, Grant, take some time. Don't, you don't worry about it. If you need to take the time, you need to take the time. What I need from you is a person who's able and capable and willing and ready to be at work rather than someone who's going through stuff in their life that can't actually cope with what's going on here today. And through that, I suppose I got a lot of buy-in from people then. And then it was easier to be a leader, to be a manager, and to get people to do the things you needed them to do, even though they were hard, because they understood that you had their back in the situation when, when times were tough. And that's so important to um, acknowledge the fact that we're not personal at home and then somebody else at work, although actually that it does happen. A lot of people do try and separate, but we are the same person. and. Mm-hmm if we're out of alignment with who we are at work, that will cause friction. So regardless of whatever the environment is, whatever the work thing is that the person's doing. So I specialize in the disc model of behavioral profiling. So we can tell 
whether somebody is actually being the true person in work or out of work um, and show the health impact that that, that has. So if somebody is coming to work, putting on a uniform, say, or a suit and behaving in a way that, that is not their, their natural behaviour pattern, but they're behaving in that way because that's what the role requires, then that inevitably will guarantee to, to cause health problems. So I've developed the DISC profiling tool um, in, an, in an unusual way to, to um, take account of this. And, but it fits with what you're saying, because if somebody has personal problems, it will show up on their profile. If they've got work problems, it will show up on their profile. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So we need to be a whole person. And I like your phrase about coming home, coming home to the person that you are. Yeah, I think it's very interesting for me. Two two stories at the opposite end of the scale, Elaine. There was a girl I was working with not too long ago before I finished in that job. And I was talking to her one day about her personal interests. Just, I would always talk to her, but she liked badminton. And after about a month or two, she turns and said to me that nobody at a senior level had ever actually asked her a personal question before. I thought that was a startling indictment of the environment and culture that she was in. But the opposite end of that scale, I was working there um, a couple of months ago, I was giving talks in a an addiction treatment centre with the actual staff of the centre. And interestingly, just at the start of the talks, I was asking everyone who they were, just tell me something interesting about yourself. And every one of them had something very independent and very interesting to say. We had beekeepers. We had people who had alpacas. We had people who were mountain climbers. But every one of them lived a life outside of what they did for work. Mm -hmm. So they had, I'm a counsellor. I deal with some very difficult things all day long in addiction treatment centre. But also, this is also who I am. So the, the balance between work and personal life, both of lives were being lived to their fullest which allowed them to be that full person. I thought it was very interesting to see that from people in that space to really live life like that. Yeah, absolutely. And and going back to what you were saying about the, the, the lady with the badminton, in the corporate culture, there's um, a discouragement to ask about personal life because it's considered rude, you know, typical British, um, you know, keep yourself to yourself and um, don't speak till you're spoken to kind of attitude. And if you ask somebody about their personal life, you're intruding. So, and, and, and some organisations um, are really so hot on that. And, and it's a shame because you, they're not bringing their whole person to work, are they? They're not, they're not being um, in alignment with themselves and not being their true, their true strength isn't shining through. Not at all. And I can see in Ireland, we Irish aren't too dissimilar and but there is a culture that comes down from the top without the realization that if you look after people in a way that allows them to live their lives then that employee becomes much more engaged much more committed you see less absenteeism you see less um leaving there's so many benefits to being aware of what the full person wants and what they need I was working with a company only recently and they brought me in to work with the staff. They were a small company. There was 12 staff members in the place. And the intention was professional development with all the staff. But for three of the staff, it was professional development. For two of them, it was a mixture. For the rest of the staff, it was all personal development. Because this is what they really needed. But the fact that they brought me in to work with them 
and allowed them then to, to work through this kind of stuff, they felt like, oh my God, the company wants me here. The company yes. looks after me in this kind of way. Mm-hmm. And we fail to realize the importance of just checking in. And it doesn't have to be your manager because you can allow people that independence, but at least allow them to feel like the company wants them as a person and not just as a number. Yeah, absolutely. So, so important. So what would you advise to somebody who might be listening to this and in a situation that you found yourself in that you're you're kind of on on the treadmill but don't quite know how to get to the next stage but you know things aren't right and you know you're like a square peg in a round hole I call them squegs square pegs in round holes (laughs) so what what would you be saying to the squegs out there what's the first thing that they could be could be doing to help themselves I think the very first question we need to ask ourselves and this is how I lead off an awful lot of talks I do. No matter what the topic tends to be, I think this is one of the most critical questions we ask ourselves is, how am I? Because we're asked all day long, you walk around and you say to everyone, oh, how are you? And people go, grand, I'm fine, I'm okay. Mm-hmm. It's a greeting now, it's hello, it doesn't mean anything. We dismiss it. Whereas, so so therefore, it never has having to answer the question that we never answer it for ourselves. Mm-hmm. I think that's a huge place to start. Because if we ask ourselves, how are we physically? Because our body doesn't lie. Our body will tell us exactly mm-hmm. how we are. Yeah. If we ask ourselves, how are we emotionally? Because our emotions are consistently telling us things, giving us signals. We ask ourselves, how are we mentally? If we can ans- ask those three questions and if we can tell ourselves, oh, I'm good, I'm good, I'm good. Well, then you're a good, you're in a good space. But straight away, if you can't say you're good in those three spaces, then you know where you need to start working. So it takes that moment to step back and actually ask that question. Like, uh, uh, another incident, I uh, the was thinking of I was working with a lady a few years ago and she was really struggling with mental health challenges and the work was stressing her out yet she was continuing to try and come back to work and try and come back to it and try and come back to it one day I asked her why why are you trying to come back what's going to happen to you when you get back she realized it was the same thing was going to happen again it was just a repeating cycle so the only way to break the cycle is to take that step back and look at how is it benefit me. If it's not benefit me, well, then what step do I need to take to get out of here? But that's the challenge, though, Elaine, is the ability to take that step back. And like I said to you, and that's not the first time I've said it, I knew after about a week I didn't need to work in the financial services, but 20 something years later before I got out of it, you know. So it's it's we, we might know something, you know, mentally or, you know, intrinsically, but it's very hard to act on that piece. And sometimes maybe we need to reach out to someone to actually act on that, to ask someone, you know, where do I go with this or what's going on for me here, you know, and be open and be ready to be honest about it, because only then can we actually begin to make changes. Mm. Again, it's it's it goes against the grain. We're not brought up to ask for help. Um, asking for help is a sign of failure. And for a lot of people, it's complete and utter embarrassment. I've failed. You know, I'm ashamed, whatever else goes with that. So people aren't conditioned to ask for help, but we we need help. And it's not until we talk to somebody outside of ourselves, like a coach or a mentor, Mm. that they say the bleeding obvious that we know, but we couldn't perhaps put into words. Yeah, yeah, that asking for help thing. It is so detrimental how it's this old man up is a phrase i was Mm. giving a talk on vulnerability for men only the other day you know and i was using that phrase man up or or even in a situation where people are talking about something and we use one one upmanship you know Mm. we have to be the better man we have Mm. to be stronger than the other person 
where does that benefit you in the long run? You know, to continue to run away from how you are and how you feel, it's just putting up blocks because vulnerability is something that's weakness is, is what we think, but it's mm -hmm. the opposite. It takes courage. It takes strength to do that. It takes faith in yourself and trust. And that's the opposite of weakness. That's mm -hmm. strength to be able to do that. That means something to be able to do that. And you know what? Sometimes it'd be over enough to say to other people and ask them the question, do you need help? Are you okay? You know, maybe we need to do that and go down that route. Like my wife would have told me for years, you need to get out of that job. Why wouldn't I listen to her? Mm. She had my best interest at heart. You know, she only wanted what was best for me, you know? Uh, and yet I was like, oh no, I have to do this job. I have to be earning this money. This money is good. It's for the family. Okay, there are those things and there are those challenges. And when we think about doing something else, we think, oh, but I need this money. I need this, I need that. But what's more important? Your health or you know, making sure you can get this money in and lose your health in the meantime. One of the other things, Elaine, that inspires me a little bit and is my my father passed away at the age of 57 years old and that's not long way. And like, I'm only 13 years from that. 13 years previous is no time at all. It was a flash. It's gone. You know, it'll be no time before that comes upon me again. So life is very finite and you don't know how long it's going to last. You don't know how long it's going to be for. So the idea that we will, I'll retire and when I retire, I can do all those things I want to do. You might not retire. Oh, don't start me on that. The, the statistics uh, I read some years ago, the statistics for people who retire within 18 months, unless they've already kind of planned what they're going to do and they immediately have a purpose because they retire and their, their, their purpose for getting up in the, in the day has gone because they're not going to work. If they have no purpose, within 18 months, a high proportion of them have died. So what's the point? People just wow. work to work to retire and, and then so they, they're not enjoying the journey. Every yeah. day to me is an absolute blessing. Um, my dad died at 46. Oh, wow. Um, and also in 2015, I was given less than a year to live with stage four cancer. So I've had some pretty stark wake up calls. And one of the reasons I... I um got myself into trouble with it with the cancer was because i was working stupid hours you know i was working with clients kidding myself that i was actually loving the job so i was the opposite of you i was loving what i was doing and my intellectual side of me was saying this is great this is fun it's not work and sometimes on when i was doing consultancy projects i was working till two three o'clock in the morning getting up at six and doing it all again that's mad. That's completely mad. But but to me, I was on a roll. I was enjoying it. I was delivering extra value. And I would get into trouble many times on, on um, um, consultancy projects because I was over delivering. And in the end, my body said, uh-uh, you're not listening. You're not listening. And I probably would have had signs. And you said earlier on that your body tells you things. It does. And so many people... Um, think that having a headache every day is normal they think that the pain in their leg their hip their shoulder whatever it is is normal they think that a bad back is normal no it's not it's it's a sign it's your body telling you something and unless you wake up and, mm -hmm. and, and listen and give your body the environment it needs and if you do that you can reverse you can reverse stage four cancer i did it in three months um wow. and i help people to to reverse illness but better still get it get don't get it in the first place because it's much easier to prevent anything not just illness but you prevent it 
much easier than you do fixing the thing. And for some people, it's too little, too late, and 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 the thing doesn't get fixed, and off they pop. So um, yeah. yeah, I'm really, really passionate about being in alignment with the person at home needs to be the same person at work. If you don't like the job, leave. And people say to me, oh, I can't do that. I've got bills. I've got this and that. If you don't do, if you don't take a step back, if you don't do the thing, if you don't ask for help, you, you won't, you know, hopefully you've got some decent insurance because your family will need to claim on it, you know? Yeah, yeah. And you, you touched on something really important there. Bar the miraculous story and, and what you did to cure stage four cancer, but with people with purpose and meaning. And and that's the thing. We we've this idea, and I think our modern world gives us the impression of you have to chase happiness. We have to chase yeah. these things because that's where the joy is. But I'd nearly argue happiness is a danger, you know. Happiness is not what we want. What we want is a sense of well-being. And that only comes from being knowing how we are mentally, physically, emotionally, making sure that our life is working out the way we want. We have connection with people in the world. That we have a sense of purpose and meaning in our lives. When we have those things, then we live in it from a sense and a place of well-being. When happiness comes, it's great. But when sadness comes, we can also deal with it because mm -hmm. we come from a central place. It's like that idea of coming back home. We're in the place we need to be for ourselves. And then the maelstrom around us can't affect us in the same way. Yeah, absolutely spot on spot on and and our day-to-day -day happiness and joy and somebody asked me the other day a, a coach asked me um how do i feel when i wake up in the morning i feel gratitude i feel joy you know that i live in in the algarve in portugal so the sun's shining um you know I'm, I'm just looking forward to another super wonderful day um and I'm I'm not frightened of anything these days. I mean, what what can happen when you when you're faced yeah. with your own mortality? I mean, what's what's the worst thing that can happen? And um, and we have a duty, I think, in in my humble view, we have a duty to do the best we can with what we've got, you know, with gratitude and joy and all the rest of it. And then it and it oozes out of us. And if you can see if somebody's happy or they're miserable by their body language, by their facial expressions, you know, by what they're wearing. There's lots of different ways that you can tell by the language they use. Um, and, you know, some people, like you said earlier on, when, when you, the, the greeting now is like, hi, how are you? Yeah, fine. And, but it's not a, a, a heartfelt, meaningful thing, is it? Um, but the language we use is somebody uh, I know, I say, I say, how are you? Oh, well, still alive. And I just want to get hold of them and give them a good shake. Yeah. You know? <laughs> <laughs> I have I have a little girl. Elaine, and if you ask her how she is in the morning, she looks oh, fantastic, amazing. I'm great. You know, the other day, I think this is a indicative of a powerful mindset. I, we were driving along in the car. We have a caravan, so we were driving along slowly, pulling our caravan, and I had given her a toffee sweet, and she was eating the toffee sweet in the back. And next thing she announced, oh, my tooth's come out. Like, what, what happened, darling? She's like, oh, it was a little bit loose. I didn't think it was going to come out. What's mad is it always comes out whenever I'm going to meet my cousin because herself and her cousin are Irish twins. They're permanently together. And she only loses her teeth when she meets her cousin. <laughs> we went, okay, okay, fair enough, fair enough. And then we were so turned back to the slowly driving the car. And then about two minutes later, we just heard her saying to herself, lowly, like not out loud, not to us, just go, oh, this day is just amazing. I didn't think this was going to happen. <laughs> I just oh, thought, like, how cute. <laughs> Um, <laughs> that's what an attitude what an approach to take to that kind of peace yeah. and it's that kind of childlike sense of wonder as you're talking about there I wake up in the morning it's like what's today going to be what's going to happen today who knows yeah. I know I've got some good things lined up but something's going to surprise me as well and let's see what let's see what the day unfolds yeah 
I, I've learned the, the, the older I get, the less I do, the more I achieve. So the mm -hmm. less I do, the more I achieve. Um, I'm calm. I'm, people think I'm organized. I'm not really, um, <laughs> but I enjoy what I do. And, and then that's, that's, the, that's the trick I give. My, my body is my temple because of what I've been, I've had four different versions of cancer. Um, and I've cured myself of a kidney disease as well that I was told I'd be on medication for life. Um, and I was on medication for 23 years until I discovered natural health and well-being. Hence, where, you know, where I am now helping other people. But when you give your body the environment it needs, it will heal itself. It will talk to you. It will heal itself. We don't need anything outside of us. So we have the strength, the ability. Um, our body has the knowledge. We just need to listen to it. It will tell us. Um, mm -hmm. And whether that's going to work, you know, um, there are statistics that trot out every now and then with um, surveys that say that Monday morning is the biggest time for heart attacks because people are, you know, not looking forward to going to that workplace and they get themselves in such a tizzy and they have a heart attack. I mean, it's 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 horrible. Well, if you if you think, and I know I know I've been there in the past myself. Like if you think about that idea that it's 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 Sunday afternoon and you're beginning to dread. Mm -hmm the next day so on your your weekend off you spend your time stressing about the next day's work now when i did work i was quite good at compartmentalizing said no no no, this is my weekend i wake up tomorrow morning i'll deal with whatever's happening tomorrow morning but there's times when it became so stressful you're worried about it on a sunday there's so many people out there who live in that space and they've been living in that space for years yeah what is that doing to you? The damage it's doing to you is so considerable and you don't see it, you don't realise it. Mm. But imagine going to work on a Monday morning and going, great, this is great, I love this. And I, look, we've got to be realistic. Everyone's not going to love their job. And that's fine too, you know, but you shouldn't hate it mm. and you shouldn't dread it from 12 hours before it because that's just not a good space to be in. No, absolutely. And, and certain personality styles will be able to modify and, and and many won't so as i again as i've got older i've i've realized how unusual i am that i'm extremely flexible and we can all modify our behavior to a greater or lesser extent so if we are doing a role that doesn't suit who uh, our innate uh, behavior strengths we are able to do it but we will only be able to do it for a short period of time so that's where I can tell by looking at the behaviour profile, whether somebody is already exceeding their capability of how much they can modify their behaviour. And that's that's a very, very easy flag for employers to 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 note. And then then it's like, what can we do to help this person? Can we bring a coach in to help them? Can we give them time out or, you know, and, and you said that earlier on the badminton lady, some people spend their whole weekend in bed because they're so exhausted from their weekday. They go to yeah. bed on a Friday. I've heard so many stories like this and they don't get up until the Monday. So they actually don't do anything um, other than recover, you know, recharge their batteries, eat and sleep. So that's no life, is it? There's absolutely no life. And how many thousands and thousands, probably millions of people go through this morning, noon and night? It's, it's, it's heartbreaking. Yeah, yeah, especially... Like... Even the the living for your two week holidays every year and and everything else is the fifty weeks of work and work and work and work until you get that two week break and then you finish off dreading returning to the work like it's just not a good space. It's mad and so many people go on holiday, 
the stress of building up to the holiday, you know, the, the financing of it, the payment of it, the booking of it, um, things aren't right necessarily when you're there, you might, you know, your luggage goes missing or, you know, whatever. And then when you come back, you, you go down with a cold or maybe on the holiday you go down with a cold because your immune system is so, it's been so stretched when it starts to relax, everything going, you know, hits upon the body and the body goes, uh-uh. Mm. And look, look, I think one of the massive things that, that we fail to do an awful lot, Elaine, and it touches on that coming home to yourself little piece a, a little bit as well. We feel we need a holiday to rest. We feel we need a holiday to get a break. And we do. Okay, you do need a break from what you do. You do need to switch off, you know, from it. But what we don't do enough of is the things that we love to do. Because when you do what you love to do, and that doesn't have to be from a work perspective, in your personal life, the things that you love to do, when you do that, you're in the moment, nothing matters, you're just there doing that thing, and that's so important. And the amount of people who used to love singing or playing music or, you know, dancing or drawing, all these things that they grew up doing and still did as teenagers, maybe even did in the early 20s, and now, oh, I don't have time for that because mm -hmm. I'm too busy at work. Yeah. But like, my God, make time for that. Just make time for that. And like, that's where people can start. When you were asking about where do you, where do people start? You know, if you know things aren't right for you at the moment, what did you love to do? What do you love to do? Or if you don't know what it is, go and do something you've always wanted to do. Try something different. Bring something extra spark into your life. And let's see how that makes you feel about things. Because sometimes that can be the catalyst for actually triggering you into going, you know what, this is who I really am. And yeah. this is what I really need to be doing. And then you can start making those changes. Because it's so hard from this conditioned over so many years to suddenly do a big shift it doesn't yes, happen overnight but there's your starting point start doing what you love yeah absolutely i say to people what makes your heart sing mm. and they then they they think about it they don't instantly know most people but some some do but most don't and then they they'll come out with all these different things oh i've not done that for a while or this or painting or you know whatever it happens to be going for a walk in nature um, but it's about balance isn't it having the right balance so my, I, I've, I've never been a holiday person in my whole life. Um, I've never looked forward to holidays. I've always enjoyed every day. And I think a lot of that was because of dad dying young. I was only 19 when he died. Oh, so yeah. I, so my, my whole kind of adult life really has been uh, with awareness of how, how fragile and short you know, life can be. So to look after ourselves, but equally I've done some the most amazing things but I do uh, tend, as I've got older, particularly, I've learned more about what the balance is right for me. And the, our, our balance is different for everybody, isn't it? So mm. we can't um, we can't say, OK, well, you know, it's like taking a, 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 a headache. A headache has many, many reasons why it appears. One tablet that is given across the counter um, can't fix all the different things. And yet we try and adopt this one size fits all uh, in life. And it's not so it's, it's about what you were saying about coming home to you, who you are, what makes your heart sing, what what gives you joy, what can you do every day? I was asked uh, recently, I, I don't I, I interview people normally, like, well, interview, it's a, it's a chat, you know, but uh, sometimes if I'm on the radio or, you know, different different conversations I have. And I was asked um, about my bucket list. Um, what's on my bucket list? Uh, so I don't have a bucket list. What do you mean? Everybody has a bucket list. No. Um, I, I don't have a bucket list because I do what I, what I, I want. I make it happen, you know. Um, so I actually live in my bucket, really, because every day is a joy. Every day is a holiday. You know, I feel like every, literally I wake up and, and, and I'm a holiday. If, if, you know, 
it's ridiculous, but it's, but it's, it's brilliant. People, it's, but it's, 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 it's bloody marvellous. I tell you, I, I highly recommend it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's a great thing to be able to say. It's a fantastic thing to be able to say. Um, and I, I suppose I, I, I wonder sometimes, Elaine, do people not make changes because they look to the far end? They go, oh, my God, to make changes, if I was going to change what I do, I have to get over to there. And suddenly the imposter syndrome comes in and the fear of failure and all the rest of it. But they forget that that's miles away. Yeah. That's months, weeks, years away. That's not what you have to do today. What you have to do today is just get up tomorrow morning and go, what am I going to do today? How am I going to make one small change? What's the first thing I'm going to do to move myself forward a little bit today? And we slowly, slowly, slowly build. We have such a a desire, a need to get to the end straight away. Yeah. But I think as you were saying there, there's no end. Just yeah. keep going. Like, Enjoy it's the not journey. an end. You know, yeah. you wake up. Yeah. Brilliant. So um, you mentioned imposter syndrome. So for the benefit of the listeners who may have never heard of imposter syndrome, can you say a few words about that? Oh, imposter syndrome. Every one of us, every one of us goes through imposter syndrome. At some point of our life and maybe regularly in life, we go through imposter syndrome. Imposter syndrome is doing something and not believing that you are capable of doing it. You are fit to do it. You have the skills to do it. You have the ability to do it. I know for me, jumping into this coaching space, I jumped into it. I went through some imposter syndrome journey going, I can't do this. I, Elaine, for a perfect example of this is when I put myself out there and I put it out there, <clears throat> excuse me, on LinkedIn and on Facebook that I am now a coach. I'm now doing this and even though I'd meet people and they say, oh, what are you, how are you, how are you doing, Mark? And I dismissed the question. I'd nearly ignore it because I wasn't even ready to tell people. I wasn't even ready to break the imposter syndrome like that. <clears throat> Excuse me. Because I was still struggling to believe that I could do this. Now, I have no problems. I'll tell anyone this is what I do. This is who I am. You know, I fully believe and I don't doubt myself in this. But imposter syndrome comes because we see the end goal. We see what we're supposed to be at the end. And we're not that right now. We think, oh, therefore I can't do it. No. You start the journey. You do one day at a time and then you get yourself there. And then you break that imposter syndrome through experience. Yeah, absolutely. I've, I've done a lot of work with lawyers over the years and accountants who are you know very senior in positions and, and they struggle as well. And it's like, how, how, how have I got to this, you know, high position in my profession? It's only me, you know, little Johnny from behind the bike sheds. You know, we all start as children, don't we? We, we all have an inner child within us and that child can get scared sometimes and we need to look after that child. Oh, 100%. I'm only, I was finished working with a client just there. I can still see the notes sitting in front of me and one of the huge issues she had was thinking about starting a new business and she was afraid and I kept on asking, well, what are you afraid of? Like, well, there's no risk here. I'm okay. I'm financially secure. And it's fine. I'm doing it with somebody else. There's no problems. Then what are you afraid of? And then she said, well, if I tell the truth, when I think about it, I remember being at school and being told by this teacher, I'm no good and I can't do this. Wow. Like, Aha, there we go. Yeah. That's what we're afraid of. Afraid, that's not you that's afraid. It's this little girl that was told this in school that's afraid. Yeah. And you built your belief structure around that and you're still holding on to that belief structure. And here you are today saying, I'm afraid because of that happened to me 30 years ago, you know? Mm. Our, our limiting beliefs. Well, our beliefs will stop and our values, but our limiting beliefs can get in the way if we get out of our own way then we can achieve all sorts but also some people it's not just a fear of failure or a fear of repeating old things you know stories like this young lady uh, but also the fear of success 
some people are scared of being too big, too <clears throat> successful. They can't cope with it. How, how do they manage? Yeah, it's, it's an interesting, it's an interesting fear. If there's a story in every, in every piece of resistance, there's a story. There's always a narrative. And once we can find the narrative, then we can pinpoint what we're doing there. We can pinpoint where the limiting belief is. We can explore that belief. We can challenge it. We can look at it in the light of day and then finally potentially dismiss it so we can move on past it. Um, the fear of success is an interesting one. I think it's extraordinary the amount of fears that come up in so many different spaces. And like, I'll give a personal example. I'd be terrible for my wife would suggest, let's go and do this right now. And I'd say, oh, I don't know. I don't know if I want to. Oh, and she's like, why? What are you going to lose out on? What are you doing? You're doing nothing. I'm like, yeah, but maybe I was, I was going to do this, though. I was going to read that book or I was going to cut the glass. I was like, but, but like, why don't we just do this? And then um, we went camping there a couple of years ago, three years ago, uh, four years ago. And we got back into our tent at two o'clock in the morning after the campfire, having a few glasses of whiskey with my brother-in-law and his, his wife. They got into our camper van. We got into our tent. The mattress was on the ground. It was freezing cold. My wife said, we're getting a camper van. And I went, you know what? We're getting a camper van. <laughs> I agreed. And so we just went for it, you know? And sometimes if you if you get out of your own way and let yourself do these things, suddenly life has so many possibilities, you know? Um, and that's the key. The key is to get out of your own way. Stop giving into these fears and seeing what they are for you. You know, it's not about the fear. It's about the possibility. Yeah, absolutely. Brilliant. Okay. I've loved speaking with you, Mark. Absolutely fascinating. And we could talk for days on end. I can I can sense that. So how do I people get hold could, of yeah. you? Yeah, so people can find can find myself. I am Mark Carlin Coaching on LinkedIn and the same on Facebook. And markcarlincoaching.ie is my website. So they can find me there too. And even markcarlincoaching at gmail.com if you want to get in touch with me. And can you spell spell code? It's Mark with a K. Spell your surname for the audio people. Yes, so it's M A R K, and then it's C A R O L A N, coaching. Okay, so Mark Carroll in coaching .ie. Correct, and Mark Carroll coaching on LinkedIn. If you put in Mark Carroll coaching, you'll find me, and the same on Facebook, you'll find me, and you'll find me on Instagram on on TikTok too. Um, I believe I, I believe I exist on every platform at this point. Oh really? Okay. I'm uh, my PA set me up on Instagram. I call it Instagranny because I am I am a granny. Um, but uh, <laughs> I have no idea what goes on there or, or Twitter or TikTok. I'm I'm not not going there. I'm I'm concentrating now. I've got a, quite a bit, you know decent following on Facebook, but I'm concentrating on LinkedIn now because I've decided after all these years I need to uh, go back to my corporate. Um, days where I was very happy, very productive and, and efficient and bring the disc and the health combination into the workplace. So everything, nothing is wasted. I'm a great believer that anything we do in life, there's always a transferable situation that you can you can put things in, like you're coaching your teams, you're now coaching individuals and, and teams in other organisations. Absolutely, Elaine. I'm a huge believer in that. I, I, I find what's extraordinary is stuff that I've been reading, the stuff that I've been learning over the past 20 years and these different journeys I've gone on and these different um, side adventures, if you will, are all coming into play now in what I'm doing. And it's, so it's brilliant. I even said that to my wife there about six months ago or it was about a year ago. I said, I can't believe I got to use this book here and what I'm yes. talking about now and the stuff that I all loved and I would always be so inspired by and passionate about and go, oh, this is amazing. And my wife would go, what are you doing with it though? 
like now I'm using it all. And I just love that fact because everything, everything plays into your story. Every single thing plays into your, where you are. Yeah. There's so many inspirational books out there. What, what, what started you off? Um, is there any particular books that you'd recommend people to read or, or listen to an audio, audible audio thing? Oh my goodness. What a question. I am a huge I'm a huge bibliophile, Lynn. I would read an awful lot of stuff. And I mean, across all ranges of things. Um, I think a lovely book, and it would inspire a lot of what I think in terms of the coming home to yourself, is uh, John O'Donoghue, Adam Cara. John O'Donoghue was a, an Irish poet, philosopher, um, beautiful, beautiful man. He died there about 12 years ago now. And his book is Anam Cara. It's A-N-A-M-C-A-R-A. And it's just a beautiful little um, meditation on that kind of idea of coming home to yourself and who you really are. It's based on kind of Celtic Celtic wisdom, but it's very much about that journey that we make in, you know, that that the, the, the hardest journey actually is the shortest journey we ever make. It's the journey back to ourselves. Um, and it's a beautiful, beautiful little piece of work that I, I would always recommend to anyone. Or even he's a lovely man to listen to. You'll find... Um, stuff up by him on youtube that he's done and if you're going to listen to someone another man i'd highly recommend is a guy called john moriarty he's another irish philosopher and uh, poet and mystic and his books are close to impenetrable but his language and you say you love the irish accent he's mm. a Kerry man and he has that beautiful singing Kerry lilt and when you hear him talk he he his his erudition is immense his depth of knowledge and learning and the, the journey the man has gone on I could never paraphrase that and he's done because it would be too much, but I would highly recommend people if they want to find him, find him on YouTube and um, John Moriarty and listen to some of the stuff that he says. And it's just, you'd be blown away. Brilliant. That's really, really useful. Thank you. I've just been recommended to read and I've got it on the audio platform. Um, th it's three books. Chap uh, yeah. Chapter one, two and three. And it's uh, conversations with God and it's not a religious, oh, thing, yes. although it sounds it, but it's not, and my name's Godly, but it, I'm not a religious-y sort of, you know, I believe that God's within us and the power is within us. And basically that's what this is saying in lots and lots of different ways. It's absolutely fascinating. But the book that got mm. started me off on the spiritual path and about, you know, noticing and being able to use our intuition and all this kind of thing is uh, Celestine Prophecy, uh, which I read many, mm -hmm. many years ago uh, by James Redfield. And um there's so many inspirational books out there and there's more and more coming on, on stream and um, we've got the opportunity now to read or to listen. What There's something for everybody, isn't there? It's wonderful. Life is fabulous. Yes, it is. Yes, it is. As my daughter said, you just never know how amazing the day is going to be. Yeah. Oh, awesome. Well, you have a, an amazing rest of your day, Mark. It's a pleasure speaking with you. Thank you. And you too, Elaine. Thank you so much. It was great to be here.